This is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host on Global Radio Talk Show, a broadcast service of globalbusinessnews.net, coming to you today from San Diego, California. Our very special guest today is our friend based in Dubai, Sandrine Bardot. Sandrine and I first met in 1999 when Global Business produced its Paris conference. At the time, Sandrine was an executive with Microsoft Europe, and she was on the faculty at that time. And now, after several years, she's been living in Dubai. Sandrine Bardot, welcome to Global Radio Talk Show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Bonjour. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Yeah. So, uh, Dubai, it is now... 908 in California and in Dubai as I understand it it's 11 hours difference is that correct Yes it's 8 p.m. for us Well well thank you for uh, working late tonight in Dubai So Sandrine give us a quick overview of your transformation from being in Paris as a Microsoft exec into today in Dubai Tell us about your transition. What enticed you to go experience going from Paris to Abu Dhabi and now Dubai? Okay, so um, actually I've been working in compensation and benefits for uh, almost 25 years now. And as part of my journey, early on, I took on some uh, what we call regional responsibilities, which means that I've been in touch with the uh, Middle East and uh, Africa uh, for quite a while uh, now. And after a little while, I was uh, taking jobs uh, across Europe, having responsibilities for Europe, Middle East and Africa. And after a little while, I got an opportunity uh, to move to Dubai for a permanent job, an in-house job as a global head of performance and reward for one of the very uh, large conglomerates that are typical of the uh, Gulf uh, countries. And uh, I took that opportunity. I already knew Dubai. I had been traveling there on a, on a regular basis uh, for, for work. So I knew that the lifestyle was uh, quite westernized or at least Western friendly. So that wouldn't be a problem for me. And I took that job. Uh, I stayed with that company uh, as long as I could, but unfortunately, uh, the global crisis happened in between. So um, um, uh, the, the company um, uh, let go quite a number of people, obviously. And uh, so I ended up eventually uh, taking another job in Abu Dhabi, which is still part of the same country, uh, the United Arab Emirates. But we... Uh, we we see it as quite different from a from a cultural point of view. Uh, Abu Dhabi is the the capital of the United Arab Emirates, but I would say that in the collective uh, uh, thinking, Dubai is probably more famous uh, than Abu Dhabi because you have all this uh, superlative. Uh, architectural uh, feasts like the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest uh, tower in the world. And, uh, of course, the famous uh, uh, seven-star hotel, the Burj Al Arab, which is, looks like a shape uh, of, a, uh, of, a, of a boat. And, uh, obviously, uh, the, the, the mall that has the ski slope. So um, I worked in Abu Dhabi for two and a half years for a government uh, company, so owned by the government. 
And after two and a half years, I felt it was time for me to set up my own company. And that's when um, I moved back to Dubai and decided to go uh, solo. And uh, since 2013, I've been a, a trainer and a consultant in human resources. I'm based in Dubai and I work mostly in the Middle East and Africa, sometimes Asia and sometimes uh, Europe as well. Now, tell us about what it's like to be a woman in Dubai. It's actually pretty easy. Um, A woman in Dubai, uh, we have a very uh, similar freedom uh, to the men. So we can drive, we can have a job, we don't need to have a husband approval. We can uh, wear Western clothing. Of course, it's a Muslim country, so we need to be uh, respectful. But uh, um, for me, pretty much the uh, lifestyle is uh, pretty much uh, the same. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's the same as in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, I am I am soon to go to Saudi Arabia for my uh, first business trip. And I have to say, I'm excited and a little bit uh, uh, anxious about it at the same time because the conditions are quite different over there. There is much more segregation between men and women. All the women, including non-Muslim, need to wear, you know, the, the black coat, which is, which is called the abaya and uh, cover their hair, which is uh, the, 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 shawl, it's, the shawl is called the shayla. So, um, uh, of course, it's a, it's a slightly different experience. But in the UAE, we, we live pretty much like in the West. And uh, as long as we are uh, open and tolerant, like the UAE people themselves are, there is uh, a really uh, no problem. It's uh, very open. And that's why there is so much tourism uh, in the UAE, actually. Delighted to welcome you, and I'm actually excited to learn more about the region. I want to zero in. Uh, I know you love Comp and Ben on an international yes. basis, and you're the author of a very popular blog called CompensationInsider.com, and very, very happy to have you as our special guest at our New York Wall Street briefing, October 24. So now I want to zero in for the benefit of our global audience. What do you really do? And what is the favorite part of your job? Okay. So as a compensation and benefits uh, professional, what I love about the job is that even though we do have like annual cycles, like a lot of uh, other HR functions, uh, we have, you know, the budgeting and the salary reviews and the, the, the incentive payouts and so on. But the work is never twice the same. Uh, Each company is different. Um, Each country is different, has different legislation, different, the the, the laws are always changing, which impact a lot of the uh, benefits that uh, that you can offer to, to, to employees. And so what I like about it is that it's always changing. So that's the first thing. The other thing which I absolutely love about the job is that it's a fantastic mix of being people focused and being at the same time business focused. I think we are really at the intersection of both because obviously we try to uh, uh, make the employee value proposition as good as possible and uh, uh, by bringing uh, financial and non-financial rewards and uh, all the aspects of what the company gives to an employee uh, in exchange for their work. But at the same time, we try to align uh, the motivation uh, through the incentives, uh, through uh, the recognition and everything 
align the motivation and uh, uh, make sure that uh, the employees work in the direction that the company uh, is uh, heading to, but also uh, making sure that uh, what we put in place uh, is also, uh, let's say, uh, efficient and effective from a, from a cost point of view. So that's the other thing uh, which I really uh, enjoy about the job. And uh, I love to learn. So uh, it's always nice because there's always something new to do. Now I need to ask you if we can just step aside for a second from the specifics and zero in on some cultural things, such as sure. the the leadership that employs you and has employed you beginning from your time in the private equity conglomerate up to now, obviously Western-oriented in their thinking, very open apparently, and they did that. They went. They secured you on purpose to be part of their outreach to global business. I'm assuming it just seems that it's a beautiful thing to have people in the middle of the Arab world be obviously open to business and open to Western ways to come into UAE, bring the Western approach to business management, and have it accepted. Could you comment on that, please? Yes. So I would say that actually there is a very strong specificity of all the countries in the GCC. The GCC is the Gulf Cooperation Council, and it's made of six countries. It's the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, where I'm based, Bahrain, Qatar, Oman, and Kuwait. And in all those countries, the local population, what we call the nationals, are a minority uh, by far. They rely a lot on uh, expats. So expats are people who are not necessarily on an international segment, uh, international assignment uh, contract, but they're just non-nationals, so people like me, uh, to help them because there are just simply not enough uh, local people to, to do all the work that there is to do in their country. So uh, the particularity is that uh, the, the, the UAE is very open and very multicultural. There are people coming from all over the world. There are people from uh, 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 different religions, different uh, castes, different, uh, uh, I don't know, you don't say racism anymore, but uh, I don't know the English word, uh, the politically correct word, but uh, different ethnicities. So this is uh, really good. What's happening with uh, companies uh, in, in the Gulf is that very often what they do is that they do understand that uh, they need to work and they do appreciate the focus that the Westerners bring in terms of uh, efficiency and, um, uh, let's say, productivity in terms of their work. So they do appreciate to have that input uh, coming from them. The, the other thing which uh, which is uh, important for the uh, senior management and the leadership in those countries is that their own population is very young. We have like maybe 60% to 65% of the population below the age of 30 years old. And so they need to be trained and educated. So by bringing in the Westerners, they have to bring and groom uh, the future leaders of the of the country, whether they are going to be leaders in the uh, commercial space or in the government. 
Now, I have to say, however, that things are not managed um, in, a, in a Western way because obviously you have to take into account the reality of where you are and the reality of uh, the employee population that you are managing. So if I give you a, a, a real-life example, my first corporate job in, in, in Dubai uh, back in 2007 I had 13 employees and I think we had 11 different nationalities uh, from UAE national to Filipino, uh, Indians, uh, Westerners, Jordanians, Egyptians, Sudanese. I mean, uh, quite a wide representation of, uh, of the world. And obviously, people have different cultures, people have different backgrounds not to mention different personalities, and you have to manage in a way which uh, which accommodates for everybody and makes everybody feel safe and feel in an uh, uh, environment where they can, you know, bring their best to work. And I think this has a big impact on how everybody tends to manage. So to be honest, a lot of the Westerners, when they arrive, they tend to be a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit bragging. Yeah, we're going to show everybody how to do things. Yes, we can. We can very much in terms of the processes and the ways of working, but in terms of the culture and so on, it's actually uh, a two-way street and uh, we have to learn a lot and we, we, we have to learn also the different rhythms and the different uh, uh, priorities um, of the region. So, for example, the business slows very much during the Ramadan period because this is a period where, uh, of course, um, working hours are officially reduced for everybody to account for the fasting and everything. And uh, so during that period, we have to accommodate that maybe the rest of the world is still moving forward at the same pace, pace but in, in the region, things are a little bit uh, slower. So we have to adapt. Let's talk about HR and Comp and Ben. Are they the same or are they different? Hmm, that's a very good question, actually. I would say that Comp and Ben is a part of HR, but it's the part of HR that... Uh, I would say, unfortunately, uh, at least in Europe, few people want to follow because it's kind of a technical part. A lot of people in HR uh, uh, that I've met in my career have told me I came into HR because I care about people and I, I want to make them happy and I want to, you know, help uh, help them grow and develop. And obviously, uh, they see compensation and benefits and they go like, whoa, spreadsheets and Excel and, uh, you know, laws and regulations. And we have to deal with all of that. And they say it's complicated. Uh, and you don't see me, but I'm doing air brackets uh, at the same time. But um, it's actually not that complicated. So I would say, yes, we are the same because we also look after the employee population and so on. But we're different because we tend to be part of that sub part of HR, which is a little bit more technical, where maybe today you would find the people who are in charge of HR analytics and uh, HR systems, for example. Let me ask you a couple of other questions about the role of Comp and Ben, performance and reward, and developing international or global HR policies for companies doing business internationally uh, and having so many different people involved with so many different backgrounds and so many different job functions from so many different places. So that's number one. If you could get into that multicultural, multinational world of performance and reward and comp and ben, 
that's number one part. Number two okay. part, when, when you hear the phrase global HR, tell me what it means to you. How do you, okay. how would you define, from your perspective, how would you define global HR? Okay, so I will start maybe by your first, your second question. How do I define global HR? I think global HR is looking at uh, your employee population on a multi-country basis, so a global basis, meaning that you don't just look at their situation in their current country, but you also look into how you can help them grow and how you can develop, for example, international mobility uh, policies, uh, but also uh, looking in today's world where we have organizations that are organized on a matrix basis. So in the past, maybe companies were a little bit more simple in their structure and they would be a single country, maybe with a, a single line of product. And nowadays we have matrix organizations, which means that more and more we have to interact with colleagues that are based in other parts of the world and uh, who are maybe not working on the same time zone as we are, maybe not having the same vacation or public holidays as we are and so on. And I think that Global HR is about uh, taking care of that and ensuring that the business uh, performs at its best and the employees perform at their best, uh, no matter what the the local um, situation uh, might be. So uh, the way that uh, that I see how we handle that as a, let's say, performance and reward uh, function is that when we think global or we think international performance and reward. It's not necessarily about having one size fits all. Uh, in my opinion, it's more about defining some governance rules, some sets of principles or a, a philosophy, if you want to use a, a big word for it, which help guide the decision making at the local level and where maybe you keep some kind of expertise in the, the center of excellence and where you provide the support to the local HR when they need. So they have some guidance. They know, for example, that we are targeting to pay at the median of the market, and we encourage the organization to participate in uh, salary surveys, and we can help them to do that, but uh, they know that this is what they should be aiming for. So this is how we can handle all these challenges of all the different um, uh, requirements in the different countries, while at the same time having some kind of um, I wouldn't say uniformity because I don't think we want uniformity, but at least consistency. Let's go on to career advice for the audience. You've done okay. many uh, foreign assignments in Italy, uh, the UK, and yes. of course now the Middle East. So, uh, I mean, just quickly summarizing, because you already approached this, talk about what first attracted you to working outside of Paris. So I think for me, um, it was the opportunity to see uh, the world in a different, uh, in a different way. When you speak a different language than your own, which is my case, because I'm, I'm French in case you didn't guess from the accent. Obviously, you also have a different uh, way of seeing the world. And when you work abroad, uh, you bring something else uh, to your vision of things. And I think you become a bit more tolerant. Uh, also, uh, you become, um, let's say, more understanding of what's working and not working in your own country. Um, and that makes you uh, maybe value some things, uh, some things uh, more. 
So for the people who want to have an international career, I've been asked that question quite a lot, actually, by some of my blog readers or just people I've, uh, I've mentored uh, over the years. I think the best way uh, to do so is to start internally within your own company. So if you're lucky enough to work for an international organization, but your role today is, uh, let's say, local or national, um, I think the best way is to start volunteering um, uh, for projects that have uh, more of an international aspect, um, just to, to get a, a, test, a taste for it. And then if you like it, it's easier to say if you can decide if you want to ask for an international assignment or even start looking for a job abroad. So I would start small uh, and in-house if, if possible, because that's the easiest way. It's always going to be easier for a company where you already work to send you for a few months uh, on a project work in another country than it is going to be for a company to hire you in a new country if you've not worked there already and they're not sure that you're going to adapt and uh, even uh, going to perform at the right level. So it's easier from in-house. Okay, uh, very quickly now, a couple of things. Um, it's, you know, we've been around long enough to know that there's peaks and valleys. <laughs> so yeah. what career mistake of yours, if you care to talk about it? Yes. <laughs> what career mistake has given you the biggest lesson that relishing I, today? Yes, uh, I think a few years ago, about uh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, I took a job in Italy. And that was my third job in Italy. I had worked already uh, twice, uh, once in Rome and once in Milan, and I took this job in uh, the beautiful city of Turin. And unfortunately, um, I was um, a director of compens international compensation for that organization, and I had not realized that uh, for the first time I would be working for an uh, Italian company. Prior to that, my organizations were multinationals. This was very much an Italian-Italian company. And their culture of what compensation and benefits was, their approach uh, to how to do things and so on, uh, it just didn't work. I mean, honestly, I was a complete cultural misfit with that organization. I very quickly uh, realized it. It, it wasn't working. I was in a senior role. And I think in a senior role, this is even more important because individual relationship that you have uh, with your management is uh, even more important because you have such an impact on the organization. And so I left that organization very quickly. That's how I ended up moving to, to Dubai. And uh, where in Dubai, it was a good cultural fit for me. So uh, uh, that was it. But uh, I learned um, that the company culture was really, really important. It's not just about the job content. It's not just about your supervisor. Uh, it's also will you fit uh, uh, with how the organization uh, is working and breathing, if you will. So uh, if you had it to do over again, would you have interviewed the management, the senior level? of that um, Italian company first before going? I, I, I think uh, more than that, I would have uh, maybe inquired a little bit more about the ways of working and uh, um, maybe actually not spoken with the senior management, but with people who would be uh, on the team working with me um, to understand what they understood their job was and uh, some of the challenges that they were facing. So those people who would become my team members so that I would understand what was expected of them and therefore of me in a, in a more, uh, let's say, 
uh, a day-to-day kind of nitty-gritty type of work uh, thing. Uh, this would have probably alerted me uh, in some ways um, about the realities of what the job was versus what the job description that I was handed was talking about. Very interesting. So even in America today, the way to understand a company culture is not by following the public relations stuff, but by going through Glassdoor or some other way online to find out from the employees about how things really are. So employer branding, if you will, quote unquote, employer branding is not the PR campaign, but it's actually what employees and customers think. Completely true. So we're going to sum up now, Sandrine Bardot. Let me ask you for rapid fire response. So your best advice is what? My best advice is to always keep learning and always keep trying. This will open all the doors for you. And therefore, what would you encourage people in HR or Comp and Ben early in their careers at this stage? What would you encourage them? Uh, I would I would tell them to um, uh, uh, not just look at the technical aspects of the job, but to always remember that they are dealing with people and uh, as such, uh, the skills of communication or storytelling are very, very important also to get executive buy-in. So don't just focus on the technical aspects of the jobs, otherwise this will limit your growth. And one of the best resources people can have in your view is what? Best resource? Uh, uh, one of the best resources in compensation and benefits, I would say there is another blog than mine. Mine is great, obviously, but there is another one which is really, really good, which is called Compensation Cafe, which is mostly uh, done by independent consultants uh, based, uh, most of them in the US, and a very good uh, resource for uh, uh, compensation and benefits uh, professionals. Say that name again CompensationCafe.com. CompensationCafe.com. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, one last thing before we end this. When you lose it, what happens? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I get very red (laughs) and uh, I scream a little bit. And then I take a deep breath and uh, I calm myself down. And uh, if if needed, I apologize. And then I... uh, double up on the work until I sort through the problem. That's what really happens. Sandrine Bardot, thank you very much for being our guest today. Global Radio Talk Show is a broadcast service of globalbusinessnews.net. So now uh, this is Ed Cohen, uh, your broadcast host, signing off from San Diego. Sandrine, say au revoir from Dubai, please. Bye-bye. Au revoir. All right. Thank you very much. All right. This concludes. Global Radio Talk Show. Thank you. Around the world with Global Radio Talk Show. Signing off. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world.